Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you ready for the Bible? All right, let's open up today with Matthew 13, verse 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Would you all say field? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. I hope that you have bought the field that has the treasure in it. Amen? I hope you've done that. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you, God, for the opportunity, Lord, to hear your word. And our prayer today, Lord, is that you would speak to us. We want to hear from you. We trust your word that has authority and power to do what you've sent it to do. So right now, we're just each ready for what you have for us. Thank you, God, for your ability to speak. I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your spirit, God, to impart what is in your heart to impart today. Love you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to start off this morning by, by teaching a little bit today about fields, uh, this concept of fields, because in, in that scripture in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven was found, uh, or the, the treasure was found in a field, and I want to do some digging in scripture so that we think of fields like they thought of fields. Does that make sense to you? And so in scripture, a field is where life happens. You know, a field was someone's workplace, right? It was, so it became like the place of provision, right? You'd have crops, you'd have orchard, you'd have vineyards there. Um, lots of life happened in a field. Joseph in Genesis 20, uh, 35, he had a dream, and in his dream, it was in a field that his sheaf rose up above the sheaf's, sheafs of his brothers. Um, it was also in a field back in Genesis 4 that Cain killed Abel. So good things happen in fields, bad things happen in fields. Um, it was in a field where Rebecca was introduced to um, uh, her future husband Isaac for the first time in Genesis 24. And, uh, you know, when Isaac later on in life, he would, he would lose his eyesight. And when his son Jacob came in the room in Genesis 27, he knew it was Jacob because Jacob smelled like the field. So, you know, for us, we don't spend a lot of time in fields. We've got a pretty field here. Someone just cut the field for us this week. We're so thankful for that. Uh, but we don't smell like fields, spend our time in fields. Uh, last night, we had s'mores next to a field. Great life group. Highly recommend it. Sweet. Um, but uh, fields um, were also a place of destruction as well. Um, it's the place where when God would send a plague against Egypt, he would send hail and it would kill all their livestock and, and their crops as well. Um, if you owned a field, um, it meant that you either took, uh, you took the good and you would take the bad that came with that field because it was your field. There's rocks in the field, they're your rocks. If there's good soil in the field, there's good soil. Um, you know, the good, you manage it well and you harvest it well. There's provision for your family. There's livestock. There's provision for worshiping the Lord because they would, you know, give their produce back to the Lord. The bad is, you know, it was a place that produced thorns and thistles and uh, it was cursed because mankind fell. And so it was a mixed bag at best, right? In Genesis 3, um, it says, verse 17. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Cursed is the ground because 
because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. Some of you all have gone to work and you came home and you went, man, work was hard today. Anybody have that happen? Right? Well, there's someone you can blame. Adam and then yourself. <laughs> but in verse 18, it will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. The field, y'all, was a, a type of the world that we live in. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of potential, but there's a lot of brokenness, and there's a curseness in, in the sense that sin has broken the world around us. Um, it's even the place that we would go to die, like to dust... Uh, dust you are, and to dust you will return. Um, there's a story in Genesis uh, 23 about Abraham, about a field. And um, Abraham lived the life uh, of a nomad. You know, he obeyed God and left uh, his people. And God had this promise for him of a land and a people and a prosperity that really it would be um, Abraham's descendants who would see it. He would spend his life having faith and trusting God for it, but living in this place of kind of moving from place to place. So he didn't, if you will, have his own field, right? Sarah, his wife, would pass away in Genesis chapter 23, and Abraham decides, I need to buy a field because there's a cave right next to it so that I can bury my wife. And um, when he goes to buy this field, the owner of the field tells him, listen, um, he says, the guy's name is Ephron. He says, listen, Abraham, I will just give you the field. And Abraham was like, no, nope, no, nope, I'm going to pay full price for this field. I insist on paying the price because I want to own the field, right? This needs to be my field. A guy who had to live without a lot of permanency, he's like, I'm about to bury my wife. I want the deed to this place. It actually says in Scripture that it was deeded to him in Genesis 23, 20. And so he bought the field, he bought the cave, and he buried his wife there. You know, there are some things in life where you pay the price and it's worth the price, Right? You, you want the deed in hand, not just a generous gesture from someone else. Um, the man who accepted the call to, to live as a nomad in the, in, and would accept this call of a promised land that he would receive and descendants he received, would receive later, decided I'm going to pay the price to bury my wife there. And his burying his wife, um, um, he's burying his wife said, nobody can come back and say, is that really your field? Is that really your cave? And Abraham had that comfort of knowing, I own that place. And later, Abraham would be buried there. His son Isaac would be buried there. His grandson Jacob would be buried there. Sometimes it's worth it to own it. Y'all follow me? I'm going to take this somewhere with you, but I want you to, to see the field as they saw the field. So coming back to Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had, and he bought the what? He bought the field. Jesus, he shared this analogy not with the crowds. He shared it with his disciples. He shared it with the people 
who had already made a decision to follow him. In essence, they had already given up everything to follow Jesus. If there are people who went out and bought the field, it's these people that Jesus is talking to in that moment. And it's not about buying salvation. This is about the kingdom. This is about apprehending the kingdom because you can't buy salvation. And the treasure in this analogy that Jesus is sharing, the treasure is in the field. The kingdom, if you will, is in the field. And we know we pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And this, this treasure that's in this field is priceless. Like it's absolutely everything, worth everything. And yet the, the paradox that it lives in a field, a field full of brokenness and yet potential, just like the world around us, here is this treasure in the midst of this field. And what I'm connecting with you is this treasure of the kingdom of God that we experience and that we take on in our lives and that, that we want to apprehend more and more, it's in the midst of the field. It's in the midst of this life that we're living. It's in the midst of the parcel in your life, if you will. And that life is, has some ups and some downs. I'm going to come back to that. So the first question for us is, are you willing to own the field or do you just want the treasure? Now, I know what you want. You just want the treasure, right? Like, just give me the treasure. Uh, I'm going to go home. But the concept that you have got to own the field. You've got to purchase it. And what I'm getting to is, are, are you trying to circumnavigate the trouble in life? Um, we all would like to do that as much as possible, right? I like to avoid trouble. But you can't circumnavigate all trouble in life because we still live in the place of the field that has the brokenness and yet also has this priceless treasure. And the treasure is priceless, but it's in a field that has this broken world around us. And when we deny the brokenness of the world around us, it's kind of like saying, I want the treasure, but I don't want the field. And it's, it's interesting because we want kingdom living and kingdom life all around us, amen? And we're praying that kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But sometimes what happens is, we're, we've bought the field, we're so thankful that we have the treasure, amen? But then we're a little surprised when life things happen in the brokenness of our field. In the midst of our kingdom living, there's still like brokenness around us. And we can, as believers, sometimes get, get flat-footed and disappointed like, wait, what? I was not expecting that to happen in my life. Like, I'm a believer, and I've received Jesus, and I, you know, I'm following him. How can this stuff happen? Well, the reality is you still have a field. We'll experience a setback, and sometimes those setbacks can be fatal for us because we go, hold on, I shouldn't experience setbacks. I'm a believer. We experience a loss. And it's like that kind of gut punch. And you're like, oh, man, that loss hurts. The pain of that really hurts. And we can begin to question like, hold on. Like, I thought I bought the field with the treasure in it. How can this stuff happen? I remember uh, it's such a, a little example, but it's so clear to me. Uh, when Elizabeth and I were in our early married years and um, we were 
We were scraping by. I was a Christian school teacher, and I was just doing everything I could to make ends meet. I was running newspapers before school. I was cleaning gutters. I was doing everything I could. And one month, we received like $1,000 of, of bills that, like out of nowhere. And $1,000 felt like a million dollars at that moment, right? And I was just like overwhelmed, and I was like, and I was in the car, I remember with Elizabeth, and I'm like, I just don't know. I don't know what I've done wrong. I don't know what's going on. Like, I could not compute how this could happen to me. You ever have that happen? Where something happens to you and you go, but it's me. I'm his treasure. I'm, I, he loves me. How could he let this happen? And I remember I was trying to do some spiritual math. Like, is there, some, is there a sin? Is there something going on? Now, don't get me wrong. There's consequences for bad decisions and sins and things in our lives. But the Holy Spirit's really good about making that obvious to us, right? You don't have to go on a hunt. He'll just say, oh, that's it, right? So, but I was just like on the hunt. Like, I'm trying to figure it out, all that. And Elizabeth just prophesied. She says, maybe it's just life, Mike. I was like, what is it thou speak of, woman? Like, I'm like, it was so practical, pragmatic. And it was funny because in that moment, I was like, take on it, that's like the word of the Lord. Like I was over-spiritualizing a challenge that I was having in my life and, and, and not realizing life happens in a field. And we live in a world that has some brokenness in it. And... You know, I'm taking the analogy a little far, but if you will, it's like, it doesn't say in the scripture, they bought the field, got the treasure, sold the field. That's what most of us would do, right? Like, get rid of the field, just take the treasure, baby, and let's move on. But this concept of buying the field and with a place that life happens, because it's full of beauty and it has hardship. And how we handle that hardship has to do with our relationship to the Lord, but recognizing this paradox that we have this priceless treasure in the midst of a field where good and bad happens. It's not like the field's all bad. Good things can happen. You can have a great crop in a field, or you can have devastation in a field. It all happens in the field, if you will, biblically, as far as life happens there. Romans 8.35 says, What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or the sword. And it's the, it's the way that the, the author is saying to us, listen, nothing can separate you. That's where this scripture is going, right? Nothing can separate you from the, the love of God. But they're saying these things like they're kind of normal operating procedure. I know you're excited to hear about that, Right? Shall trouble, shall hardship? I mean, if we were writing it, we would say, hey, you will not have trouble, you will not have hardship, you will not have famine, you will not have nakedness, danger, or the sword. Amen? That's how I would write it. That's how I would want it. But see, this scripture is recognizing we're in the field. We live in the field. And sometimes we want to deny hardship. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think we should just love hardship. Oh, well, you know, I just... It's so hard, but, you know, the Lord's teaching me so much. I love it. I just really, you know, I just, I want to hold on to it. I'm like, that's weird. Don't do that. Don't be weird about your hardship. It's natural to want out of it. It's natural to want it to end. That's, you wouldn't parent your children that way, right? Like, they're going out to cut the grass, and you're like, I'm just going to mess with the mower and make it harder on them. <laughs> like, 
that's not your father in heaven, like tinkering with life, just going, let's see how to handle this one. That, you can trust your father, but he's not taking you out of the field. We're still in the field. There is a grace for hardship. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 says, we are hard-pressed on every side. Y'all, this is the apostles talking, the, the leaders in the church. We are hard-pressed on every side, but what? But not crushed. Perplexed, meaning they don't even understand all the time, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but we ain't abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I think that just describes life in the field so well. Right? You see, we might have stuff going on, but there's a grace for it. We are not crushed. We are not in despair. We are not abandoned. We are not destroyed. I'm not preaching about the field today and talking to you about this field to preach hopelessness to you. There is provision in the midst of hardship. Right? And here's the difference maker. You bought the field with the treasure in it. Did you all catch that? You have the field that's got the treasure in it. And if you don't, we're going to talk about that in a minute. You should buy the field. But it's this idea that, yeah, you live in that, but you have the priceless treasure in your field, and that's a game changer. And that's why probably sometimes we get caught flat-footed is we're like, I got it so good because I got the treasure in my field, and then life happens in the field, and you're like, wait, what? And it's like, hold on, but I have the treasure. Yeah, you have the treasure, but it's in a field, right? Someday, we'll have the treasure just in heaven right? And it'll just be amazing all the time. But for now, we're hard-pressed, but we're not abandoned, right? We, we, we still have the treasure. And if you will, there's, there's a maturity, if you will, with what I'm trying to, to share with you today, because what I'm trying to share with you today is we have, should have very high expectation. We should have very high levels of hope and anticipation for good. We should wake up in the morning expecting something good to happen, not something bad to happen. Amen? Like as believers, as followers in Jesus, you are on the right side. Jesus came that you may have life, right? The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But you still have a field. And there's a maturity in recognizing that you have a field and that you live in a field and that good and bad happens. And you know what? But when the bad happens, you still have, a, you still have treasure in your field. And we want to, if you will, exhume the treasure into our lives and the lives of people around us. We want other people to experience it. And the reality is that field is worth everything you have. Buying in to Jesus, into his kingdom, into this life is worth every, everything you have. God has not called us to an escapism where we get the treasure and we run off and cloister on our own. He has called us to have this treasure in the midst of the world that we have us. We have this treasure, another scripture says, in jars of clay, right? Like we have it and there's a, this recognition of this brokenness and yet this beauty all at the same time. And I dare say that the treasure is what you need to endure the ups and downs of the field, this beautiful but broken field. What what does owning the field look like in your life? And I'm going to ask a hard question here. Um, Are you living in denial of hardship? I want to be really precise in when I'm saying this. When I say denial of hardship, I'm not saying that you should just like embrace hardship and love it. That's weird, right? But you should not be caught flat-footed in your faith 
when we as believers live in a broken world and you have, like, that's normal. So we don't capitulate, we don't lie down, we don't, we, uh, in the face of difficulty, but we accept the reality of a broken world, but we exhume the, the treasure that's in our field. We bring it out and let it influence our lives. And you know, you can't control everything that happens in your life, but I want to encourage you to work the field. And I'm going to shift this a little bit. I've kind of very purposefully laid out this world where, or this word in a way where um, we've talked about this idea of the ups and the downs, and some of the downs should not ca- catch us as off guard as they do. Y'all follow me? But I want, to, I want to talk to you about your field a little bit more because we can't control what happens in our field. We think because we own it, we can control it. But the reality is all of life happens around you, and you don't have as much control as you think you do. If you think you do, just give it some time. You'll come back and say, I don't have as much control as I thought I did. But we tend to want to control things, right, and set things up just so that they are are the ecosystem that we want. That being said, there is a right principle about working your field, right? And when you work your field, you do things like you, you dig up the rocks that are in the field, if you will, that would prevent fruitfulness. Maybe the rocks are some things in our hearts, in our lives that, that are not healthy for us, right? Some, some bitterness or some unforgiveness or some, some things that are laid down deep in their wrong thinking and heart attitudes that need to come up out of the soil because we're making the, the field worse than it needs to be, right? Maybe, maybe we need to build some decent fences. Now, Right, like, like some boundaries, some good boundaries to keep us reasonably safe. Now, I don't think our lives are supposed to look like a garrison that no one can get in. I don't think that's the principle. There should be a door to your fence, allow some, friend, you know, some people in, that kind of thing. But this concept of good, good fences and good boundaries. And the last part of this that I, I want to share with you about stewarding your field is you've got to sow the right seed. You've got to sow the right seed into your field. Because what you sow into your field is what it's going to produce. Galatians 6, 7 says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever reaps to please their flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. Whoever reaps to, sow, to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in well-doing, for at the proper time we will reap what? A harvest, if we what? Do not give up. Doesn't that sound like the field, right? Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. This scripture is talking about, when it talks about sowing, it's talking about sowing specifically to the sinful nature or to your flesh versus to the spirit. And we know that if we sow to the the sinful nature, we're going to reap sin and destruction in our lives, right? And this concept, if we sow to the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, right, walk in love and walk in the Holy Ghost, right, there's life and fruitfulness and fruits of the Spirit in our lives. That concept of what we are sowing really, really does matter. So we want to sow the right things in our field. There's a lot of analogies that we can, we can build on that idea of what you're sowing. And I'll let the Holy Spirit work with you about what you're sowing in your field. I feel like I could do countless analogies, but I've already combined enough analogies in one message. Um, I want to close with this concept. And um, is it Matt who's playing or is it uh, Abigail, will you come up? And then I want to pray with you. 
Uh, I want to go back to the, this idea of the field with you for a moment. Are you struggling with the struggle is kind of what I'm getting at. And I know that's like a tender thing to say, but sometimes like the struggle that we're having, we struggle with the fact that we're having a struggle. And it can be really demoralizing because you're like, I should be further along. I should be past this. Why, why in this season am I dealing with this and that kind of thing? And I just want to encourage you, sometimes all of that processing is not helping you. And you just got to press into the Lord and say, God, you see this struggle in my field. And I know you and I trust you. And I know that you want to get me on the other side of this. That you're not going to exempt me from all struggle, but you will bring me through all struggle. Can I say it to you again? You're not going to exempt me from all struggle, but you will get me through all, all struggle. You will help me overcome. That should be our attitude. Sometimes we get stuck in our struggle about the struggle. And it's not producing enough, any fruit for you to just sit there processing it. Maybe there's something that you're not understanding why it hasn't passed or why it hasn't moved on or why, why, we're, why you're still there. I just want to encourage you, lighten up on yourself and press into Jesus. Just like, like press into him. Sometimes we, it's like we turn the doctor chair around and we're like, well, let me, um, I'm going to try to diagnose this. And you're like, well, how's that working with you? Because you're struggling with the struggle. And I just want to encourage you, like, just let Jesus be the doctor. Just let him be the answer. And, and don't forget, you have the, the treasure. Your treasure's in your field. You bought into Jesus. You received him into your life. You said, you're worth everything that I have. I have bought the field. I am all in. I spent it all. I gave it all to be here. And the treasures in this field, I saw it. And you know what? He is enough to bring you through. He is enough to bring you through. And I also want to encourage you, don't judge him because you have a struggle. Sometimes we go, hey, I expected better from you. probably not the right way to start with them, right? Sometimes it's good to get that out of our heart and then go, hmm, that sounded wrong because that sounds like I'm judging your nature and I know you're a good father and I know you're a good king. Would you stand with me? I'd like to pray with you today. I want to pray with you and then I'm, uh, I also want to invite our prayer team to, to slip up front um, as I pray for you talking about this buying the field, but I want to say to you today, if you have like not made that decision in your life, that I am absolutely all in with the Lord, it is worth everything you have to buy the field. It is worth everything you have to turn to Jesus and to say, Jesus, forgive my sin. I want to follow after you in all that that means. I want to be in your family. I want to walk with you. He's not asking you for perfection today. He's asking you to turn to him today. And he's asking you, though, to give up your rights to your own life to follow him. That's what buying the field looks like. It looks like I'm willing to give it up all. I don't need any rights. I don't need, uh, I need, I don't need to hold on to anything. You are worth it all. 
And I want to turn to you, Jesus. And if that's you today, I just want to encourage you to cry out to him. Say, God, forgive me of my sin. I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done on the cross. I want to follow you. And if that's a decision that you're making today, um, I want to pray with you uh, personally as well. All you have to do is cry out to him and receive him. But I would love the opportunity to pray for you. If, if you're online and you're making that kind of decision today, uh, or you're listening to a podcast and making that decision, um, go to our website, victorychristian.church, and click on Next Steps. Um, fill out that little form because we want to reach out to you like pronto and rejoice with you and pray with you. If you're in this room and you're making that kind of decision today, I want to encourage you before you leave, will you come and let me pray with you? Just before, before you get out of here, I just want to pray with you today. Let's, let's, um, let's take a moment. I want to pray with you. Father, we love you today. Lord, this wasn't really like um, a pump you up kind of message. It was more of a like um, recognizing the lay of the land while also recognizing, God, that we have, we have the treasure. We have you. We have hope. But Lord, I pray specifically for those who the hardship has been hard on them. The struggle has been a struggle. And Lord, just like taking off a heavy coat, I just pray right now, would you, excuse me, Lord, would you take the heaviness off? Take the weight of the weight off. And Lord, by your Holy Spirit, let a a fresh grace come upon you right now. A fresh heavenly optimism. A fresh, I trust my Father implicitly. Thank you, Lord. There is a grace for the hardship. There is a grace for the trial. And I speak that grace over you today. I speak his provision over you today. I speak his hope over your life today. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Just take a moment and just tell the Lord what's ever on your heart right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. Just whatever is in your heart, just tell him right now. praying today, I I feel like there's uh, at least one person, maybe more. You're in this room today and you feel like it's not the field that got cursed, I'm cursed. And that's not the word of the Lord for you. The curse has been born on the cross. You, as a child of God, are not cursed of the Lord. So Jesus, we, we dismantle those kinds of thinking and that kind of word right now. That's you just receive the grace of God. You are not cursed. You are his child. It is not, your hardship is not your destiny. It is temporary. It's not your destiny. It is temporary. Father, we thank you. I just pray, Father, for those of us who we've got a wrong thinking, 
about our, tri tri our trial and our hardship. Lord, would you deliver us in the name of Jesus? Would you take that thinking off and may we set it aside? We thank you today, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we are blessed in you, favored in you. Lord, your grace is upon us. And Lord, I pray, Father, for those of us, Lord, who you're taking that heavy weight about the hardship off of us, the struggle about the struggle you're taking off. Now I pray, Lord God, for a grace to see the, the, the hardship or the struggle in context, that it is small in the eyes of eternity and it is small in the eyes of your life, not to diminish uh, what it, it has accomplished, meant to you, but that, Lord, we would put it in the context, and God, that it would, it would shrink in our own eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. I feel like we're just like kind of doing a work as we're praying today, and you know, the picture that I see while I'm praying is, for some of us, the hardship matters to us or this thing that you're walking through matters. It's almost like you're overworking the problem. Like, like you keep working on it and working on it. Like, like I've just got to work on it until it's done. Sometimes you just got to step away for a moment. Sometimes you just got to let God have it. And what happens is sometimes when we walk away, God will speak to you something about your perspective or about a solution that you couldn't see right over the problem. Do you all follow me? And so sometimes we just got to, it takes faith to go, it's there, I'm not in denial, but I'm not going to let it rule over me and rule over my thinking and my mind in this moment. I'm going to do my part, but I am going to put this actually in his hands. And for some of us, we just need to put his part in his hands and I pray for the discernment. God, show me my part and show me your part and help me to be diligent about that. Father, may we have such a discernment about what you are doing versus what we are our part, Lord God. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. God, we also today, we want to thank you for the treasure. You, your kingdom, you're the treasure. And we treasure you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we have the good stuff. We already have it. We have you. And thank you, Lord, that you care about this world so much that you cause us to live in a natural field because it's not time to go to heaven yet. So we need to live in our natural field. Give us grace and wisdom for it. And I'm just praying today, Lord, that there'll just be a, a brokenness to the heavy yoke that's on some folks today and a liberty and a freedom that will come to them. And God, that these, the challenge will diminish in size because it's firmly in your hand and you've got the whole world in your hands. We love you. God, we worship you. God, I bless your people in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.